The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we're focusing on the work of Impact Northwest. This is Phil Bossy. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined today uh, with Impact Northwest. Uh, Andy Nelson is the executive director. Kendra Johnson is the deputy director. Hi to both of you. Hey, Phil. Hi. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So I'm going to, let's just jump in. Your, your, your tagline is preventing homelessness. I mean, that may not be the tagline, but that's something I pulled off the website. That's, um, that's a big order. Can you unpack it a bit? Well, we call it our two-word mission statement. It really is. Uh, We focused the organization a few years ago on what we thought was really the most compelling need out there right now. Little did we know what was to come. And we want to be true to ourselves and authentic to our experience. Yeah, so I want to to get into what you just mentioned in a second, Eddie, what was to come, because I think it is... um, as anyone who who is out and about in Portland right now, uh, it is it is impossible not to recognize what a uh, crushing issue this is for so many individuals. Um, but but I, and correct me if you're wrong, but the way that I see your services are not perhaps what most people would really routinely think about when you're thinking about preventing homelessness and providing shelter. You're more about providing, can I, could I say life skills? Well, that's part of it. You know, there's, um, there's sort of short-term and long-term solutions to homelessness prevention is, you know, and Kendra can certainly speak to this, but really our wheelhouse is working with individuals or families before they're at that place where they have to lose their apartment, get evicted, end up on the street for sure. We work with people who are outside, but our wheelhouse is strengthening and stabilizing folks so the homelessness doesn't become a reality for them. And, and, and how, how do you identify those people? I mean, I think that it's easier maybe to identify when somebody has hit full on crisis, but you're, you're, you're connecting with individuals and families sort of before they turn that corner, how, how do you identify with those people or, or how do they know to find you? Um, good question, Phil. So I think we do a little of both. Um, we do provide some help with shelter and some of, some of that stuff. Um, but as far as eligibility, we are um, a pretty medium-sized to large organization that is located over um, five to six different counties in this this area. Um, And so part of our outreach strategy is connecting with the community, being inside the schools, being inside of clinics, being inside of um, 
preschools and doctor's offices and, and anywhere that people might be that might need our support is that's where our services are. We um, like to meet people where they are. We don't feel like everybody has to come into our offices, um, but we do um, outreach is, is a big way that we, that we um, let people know about our program, but also being in the community, we thrive on having our staff be from the communities that we serve and word of mouth is, a lot, is, a, is also a large way that we um, share resources and get um, referrals. Yeah, word of mouth can all, always be some of the best and most uh, uh, convincing marketing. Um, can we talk a little bit about maybe some of the youth job training? I just, I was really interested. Um, 5,000 youth, is that about right? Yeah, we have an abundance of ways that we engage youth, but that number is probably right. Maybe a little more COVID kind of skewing us a little bit, right? Um, but generally, we um, are in a couple of different high schools in a couple of different districts, and that is how we connect with young people. Um, again, trying to give them some of those skills. A big part of what we do in the job sector is trying to train people for high-wage, high-demand jobs. That's another way that we try to get at that preventing ho um, houselessness, right, um, is, is giving folks those skills ahead of time so that they can, if they decide they don't want to go to college or take an additional trade, they can leave our programs and work with our community partners and make living wage jobs um, almost immediately. Um, so that's a lot of what they do there. And also teaching folks those soft skills that you don't necessarily learn inside of um, traditional school settings to be able to thrive in, in employment um, opportunities once they arise. Like what, what are some soft skills? Being on time, um, how to <laughs> how to navigate through conflict, um, how to advocate for different things that can help you be successful in the job, um, as far as communication and things like that. Yeah, um, absolutely, all, all all good things that that maybe don't come up otherwise. And then and then uh, somewhere I pulled off to that ninety six percent of the youth you're working with are making progress. Um, can you define that a bit? What, is, what does progress look like? And, and I mean, that's, that's an incredible number. That's, you know, more than 19 out of the 20, each 20 kids uh, is, is making progress. But what counts as progress? Yeah, I, I can sort of jump in, Kendra, then give you a chance to eliminate that. And that's the reason that we're excited about that is, and Kendra is leading this effort for us, but really trying to produce evidence of our success. Um, Organizations like ours that do a lot of good things, that's great, but we're really on this, um, this effort to, to understand more what sort of outcomes, and what I mean by that is what's different with the folks we work with. So across those programs, uh, we're seeing that success. It's certainly different. <clears throat> Kendra, right, I mean, that depends on the program, but uh, we, and we do, as you know more than anyone who used to lead this effort, we do a lot with youth. Yeah, and so part of how we um, evaluate that is pre and post surveys, um, focus groups, asking them um, evidence of them being employed, evidence of them improving in their schoolwork. Um, several different factors are, are how we get into more of the specifics, but definitely excited about the overall picture of where we want to go with our data that Andy spoke to as well. Yeah, those are great like numbers. What 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 does um sorry to to drop in there, Andy, but um. I'm curious, what is the life cycle of somebody that's working with you? I mean, is this a one week program? Is this a one month? Is this, is this you, you, you're picking some, of, some people up at, in, in preschool and going all the way until they're 
uh, 18? I mean, what, what is sort of the, the normal cycle? Yeah. So normal is not really a word that we use. Um, okay. what, we, what we prefer is to meet folks where they are. And so no one client looks the same. Some people, it might be um, you walk into our door and you receive energy assistance and that's, that's the last time we ever hear of you. Some other folks, right, more intensive services that we were speaking to, they might be there for several years, uh, depending on where the funding is coming from. Um, that sometimes varies, but we strongly advocate for trying to walk alongside people as long as we possibly can and as long as they want us there to support them and to um, help them remain stable in their journey. I'm going to jump a little bit more into, into the last year. I just have to imagine uh, it's been incredibly tough as an organization. I mean, obviously, it's been tough on individuals. Um, one of the things that you both keep saying is that you, you, you meet um folks where they are but where people are now is not the doctor's office is not school is not a place of work um how how are you doing that how is that working one one really good example of that is we run after school programs at nine different schools in the area there's not been any school those programs have really transformed into things like food delivery, contacting families, making sure that they're okay, that they're getting what they need. So I'm incredibly proud of this team for really improvising and realizing the moment and doing things differently. That's been a big change. Another example of that, and then I'll certainly want to leave some time for Kendra is, our senior transportation program. So we've a long time given rides to older folks, to medical appointments, and maybe to the doctor's appointment, to the supermarket. That program transformed into a kind of a delivery system, especially last spring when things were really shut down. So the things that we were doing morphed to really take care of those immediate needs that people had, and a lot of that had to do with getting basic supplies filled especially in the spring when we didn't know where this was going. And um, did, Kendra, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think Andy spoke, um, spoke to that. Um, one of the things that I want to add is just that we have been very, continue to be very adaptable. Um, phone calls, right? Um, teaching people how to navigate the technology that is now mandatory um, has been a big part of how our jobs have shifted. Um, as well as just continuing to meet people where they are, even though it looks a lot differently now. I just, I have to imagine that, that um, you both and, and um, other staff members have a lot of insights into how the, how the, how the, the, the COVID has really impacted people. Um, I, I don't want to reduce it to one word, but uh, how optimistic or how pessimistic are, are you and on, on what, you've, what you've seen over the past year? Well, there's no question it's taken a toll. And I think a lot of us don't know that. Uh, we talk about this K recovery and there are a lot of folks who are well behind in their rent, haven't worked for months. Think about people that work in food service. Uh, maybe they worked um, in professional services. They're, they're, they're not working. Now, 
the other reality that we're, is becoming clearly true is the impact that COVID has had on communities of color and how it hits communities of color harder. And I don't think that's well known or well understood. And um, I think we'll come out the other end on this, but we have to make some really important decisions, Phil, moving forward about where resources get allocated and to really understand when we think about things like opening schools and providing support to folks that we really need to understand what's happening. And I'm hopeful we'll see this with immunization rolling out, that the priorities, that there's a fuller understanding of what's happening and who's affected by COVID, who's on the bottom of that K recovery, and that's where we need to focus. Now we've done that uh, with some of the precious resources we've had, uh, something called rent assistance to make sure that at least half of that has gone to communities of color and others who need it the most. Yeah, what, I mean, and, and what else? I mean, if, if you were, if, if either of you were governor or whoever sort of can, can control the spigot of resources, how, how best so that this isn't uh, a hard crash uh, and that, that we, can, we can either soften the blow or start to move the curve in, in the right direction. Um, you just talked a bit about some uh, supplementing rent funding. Are there other places that resources should be going so that we can avoid what could become an even bigger crisis? Yeah, I think that there's been some resources poured into what I would say is probably three areas, but I definitely think we need a ton more. I would say um, rental assistance would probably be the, the largest, right? Um, but also looking at how they can um, help landlords, right? So that they can feel more um, encouraged to keep um, during, as this is becoming prolonged. I would say technology is another area, right? Um, some of the things that we adapted to during this time will remain and, and we don't know when schools will open. And so just making sure that families have what they need and not just have what they need, but also know how to use it. Um, a lot of people didn't have home internet access before this. A lot of people didn't know how to use some of these things and now they're having to do that pretty quickly on limited resources. And then the last one, which there has been a lot of resources poured into, but I would just say food equity. Um, kids not being in schools, um, those were two meals a day for an, an, a prolonged period that parents are now needing to um, consistently provide with, with limited, a lot more limited resources. Uh, Sorry, go on. Well, I was just gonna say, look, I'll never be governor. Um, I, I'm pretty clear about that. I don't know, maybe Kendra will, that'd be great. Um, but if, we were, <laughs> if I was governor for a minute and I'm talking about housing, uh, here's what we need. We need a master plan. We look around the country and the world at communities that have made real inroads. They, they understand what they're doing to alleviate the short and long-term impacts of the housing crisis. We haven't done that yet. That's the huge opportunity for Oregon or even for the Portland area. What's our appetite for housing first versus shelter? We have the chance to do that. That's what I would do. Because here's why I would help organizations like Impact Northwest. If there's a master plan that's well understood, we can define our piece of that. That's gonna be different than transition projects. That's gonna be different than central city concern, but it's gonna be complementary. That to me is like the blueprints. And again, there's great research out there. There's examples 
in the US, there's examples in places like Finland and Scotland where they've been able to come up with policy priorities and make this happen. I know that's hard, <laughs> but you asked me what I would do and that's what I would do. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, 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 I, and I don't think that, that we can answer this in the time that we have a lot of, but what, what prevents that? I mean, on this show, we talk to so many fantastic uh, uh, civic leaders. Um, I hear about success stories all the time. Uh, wh why is that not the, why is that the, it feels like the exception, not the rule? What's preventing a master blueprint, Flint? Well, the, and the fact that we do have successes is, is amazing considering that. Well, who's it fall on, right? And I think that, um, is it gonna fall on the, the short-term folks who are in office? That's hard, you're only in office for four years. Pretty hard to, to pull that off. Now there's some infrastructure in our, in our community that, or maybe we need to create one where this could be evergreen. And for the long haulers, the, 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 you know, I have a preference for the people anchored in nonprofits who tend to hang around a while. Um, community members who have lived here for generations and will continue to. Something that's evergreen like that, um, I, I think we can pull this off. I think there's, uh, but, but it's hard to put that in the hand of elected officials uh, where it's kind of fallen just because they, it's too tough. They're not there long enough and they have too many other competing demands. We're gonna take a quick music break. We'll be right back.
This is Phil Bussey. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined today uh, with Impact Northwest. Andy Nelson is the executive director. Kendra Johnson is the deputy director. I'm going to turn spotlight on, on each of you for a little bit. Uh, Andy, you've, you've been with the organization for five years, but this was kind of a coming home. Yeah, it's, my second, it's my second tour. I was at the organization from 2000 to 2002 and that had a chance to go off and do some other things. So yeah, I kind of came back home in 2016. What, what changed in the years that you were uh, quote unquote gone? Uh, what changed either for the organization or what changed for uh, the, the problems trying to be solved or the solutions that are out there? Yeah, well, there's no question that in 2000 and 2002, there was the uh, beginnings of a housing crisis, but that was in full bloom. Uh, what I really, and Kendra mentioned this before, what had happened to impact over those ensuing years was it, it really did represent the community in terms of who it was hiring and the programs it was running. You know, we're, we're a local organization, always have been for 50 plus years. So we, we um, really, it was really evident to me that we had some real talent here that had been in the organization for a long time, just needed a chance to blossom. And, and Kendra, you've, you've been at the organization for, for more than a decade at this point. What, uh, uh, same, same, same question to you uh, in terms of what, what changes have you seen? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, I think both ex internally and externally in the community. Um, one of the things that I love about working here is that we are able to adapt to, to what the community needs and, and um, the community has changed drastically over the last decade and we've been able to modify our services um, to and locations, um, quite frankly, to, to be where people are most needed. Um, we, we had a focus in Southeast when we started and we're still heavily there, but now moving towards um, the Gresham and East Portland area because th there's a lot of need there um, is one of the big changes that I've seen over the decade amongst others. And I, I want to focus on, on uh, one part of your resume that I saw. Um, Alpha Kappa Alpha uh, Sorority Incorporated. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read what the description was and then, and then you, you fill in the details, please. Uh, so it's a community service organization led by African-American college-educated women that is continually leading effective advocacy and social change for equality and equity. Um, Tell me how you got involved and maybe some of the projects and, and, and then even if it ties into Impact Northwest. Yeah, I definitely think it ties into Impact Northwest and we have partnered on several things. Um, so this organization has been around for over 100 years, actually almost 113 years. Um, so a long history of um, doing great things in the community and sisterhood. Um, so I got involved in graduate school. Um, seeing um the african-american women right and in a who are a minority in this area leading um great efforts on a community uh, campus um, was encouraging to me um my mentor um i graduated from gateway to college at portland community college um alternative high school program um she was also a alpha kappa alpha woman um and just seeing how she did what she did. I wanted to do that too. And so that's kind of how I got involved. Um, my mom is a revolutionary. And so we've been a part of changing the community my entire life. And that's kind of not kind of, but that, that's what um, our organization is all about. And so I get to mirror that with what I'm paid to do. And so it's just super exciting to be able to, um, my legacy is I want to, um, I'm from 
Northeast Portland, born and raised. And my legacy is I want to, is I want to affect um, the things I want to have an impact. And so I get to do that both personally and professionally. Let's, let's um, pivot from that a little bit. Not, not a lot, but, but I, I feel as if uh, um, lack of equity is, has somewhat has led to some of the needs uh, for impact Northwest. Um, and, and, and over obviously the last year, uh, there's been a much more mainstream concern and, and, and hopefully consideration about equity. Is this opening up opportunities? Yeah, I mean, we'll change it from the inside out. And, and you know, while it's true that these efforts have been underway for a few years for us, we've really accelerated that. And that just starts with our internal team. And, uh, you know, we half the folks we serve are folks of color about 40% of our employees are, and that number is gonna to continue to grow. And so we need to make way for new leadership and new ideas, and also examine our policies and practices for elements of white supremacy, we'll eradicate that. You know, we're really taking seriously what it means to be an anti-racist organization. Now we've made some progress, Phil, but we've got work to do, and that, is everything from the employee handbook to how the board of directors runs. That's our values. That's who we are. And, um, you know, I, well, I'm, I'm glad we're on that road. Um, it's important that we continue to press because that is what is needed from Impact Northwest. Kendra, Andy, uh, just to wrap up, um, what, what, what would you say to people? I mean, obviously, um, Walking around Portland, uh, seeing the tarps, seeing the tents, uh, homelessness has become very uh, visual reminder. It's become a, a, a big part, of, I think, of a lot of people's conversations. Uh, and those conversations are marked with concern, with frustration. Uh, how? What do you? What do you tell someone who is who is reacting right now to homelessness? I mean, how? How? What's, what's a good response to have or, or an encouraging response or a productive response? Well, last year alone, we prevented 4,500 people from being in a similar situation. So I'll, I'll let that number speak for itself. That's a lot of people. Um, and we're not doing this in isolation. We have a lot of community partners. We mentioned the schools, um, for example. Yeah, we're concerned too. Um, but know that there are tremendous efforts happening every day and that uh, we're among the organizations that really are sewing that social fabric that's, that's keeping us going. Andy Nelson is Executive Director for Impact Northwest. Kendra Johnson is Deputy Director. Thank you both for the work that you're doing, uh, what you're not just for the city of Portland, but for the, the, the region. Uh, and thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. 
Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.